So as mentioned before, our reading today is Acts chapter 14. We'll be going through the whole chapter, but mainly focusing on verses 20 to 28. So that's Acts chapter 14. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully, and to stone them. They were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycanir, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out, and saying, Sirs, why do you do thee ye things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, Scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them 
and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Amen. So it was interesting um, listening to what, what Glenn had said this morning when he mentioned the tribulations, trials and tribulations, which the church will go through. We will suffer persecution. There will be a time coming when the persecution will be severe. We we see this in parts uh, of the world already now. Um, Christians, brothers and sisters, giving their life for the faith. And the persecution that comes, it's difficult, and it is a very serious thing. It's not a light thing to just dismiss, but when there are trials and tribulations, where there are persecutions like what we've seen in chapter 4, these are very, very serious matters. Because this is an attack on God's church. And we're going to see this again here in chapter 14, severe persecution. And we see severe persecution because, as Glenn mentioned today, Satan is at work. Where the gospel is preached, where believers gather to worship God, there will be an attack. So how does the church remain strong? And we see this again here in chapter 14. Now there is a saying, and it goes, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create create hard times. While there is a bit of, a bit of truth in here, I think it'd be best viewed in this way. That during hard times, trials and tribulations, these things create strong believers. And in good and prosperous times, these sorts of times can actually create weak believers. And in turn, weak believers will create a weak church. Now, the reason, one of the reasons why the church can be weak in times of prosperity and good times is because in our sinful nature, what can happen is we turn away from the one who has established us. We neglect the things of Christ. We enjoy good times so much that we forget the one who has blessed us. Wearing strong, wearing difficult times, believers are strong because they will fall at the feet of Christ and seek his strength. We see this in Romans 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So trials and tribulations are a good thing in one sense, is in that they create strong believers when we rely on God. It's not our own doing, it's not the situation, it's that these trials and tribulations force us to go to God, because he is the one that sustains us. We seek him, we seek our strength in Christ. And when we seek our strength in Christ, what we are really doing, we're seeking truth. We're seeking God himself. And in Acts chapter 14, this is what we find. This is the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. We see that the churches that they visit are birthed, they're born, they're established in very, very difficult circumstances. The gospel is preached. The word of God in its power has brought people to spiritual life. They come to faith. And immediately they witness and suffer persecution. These are new believers. These are babes in Christ. They're born again in an extremely hostile environment. 
We also see Paul and Barnabas seeking to encourage them, to strengthen them and to build them up. And this is where we'll be focused today in verses 22 to 28. But first of all, I want a quick overview of the churches that Paul and Barnabas have visited in chapter 14. We'll see what occurred then, the immediate attacks that they suffered and really understanding that the attacks they suffer is from men physically, but really it's from a spiritual heart, one that seeks Satan. The, the people that are attacking the church of God, it's not just mere men, but there is an evil uh, spirit about them. And this is from Satan seeking to destroy God's church. So if we just look at the first six verses first, Paul and Barnabas come to Iconium. They, as usual, go to the synagogue. They preach the gospel and both Jews and Greeks believe. We see the power of God at work here, the preaching of the word. There's no messing about. It was straight into the gospel. They spoke boldly in the Lord. But look what happens in verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So straight away when the gospel is preached, it causes division. It is the very same today when the word of God is preached by the power of God. When God works in somebody, they will be saved. If God hasn't done a work in somebody's heart, they will not be saved. They will remain harsh against him. It is the work of God that separates. He divides Some people come to faith, some do not. And the people here who do not come to faith immediately go on the attack. They plan to stone Paul and Barnabas. They plan to attack them and try and stop the gospel being spread. It has offended them. They are are spiritually dead. It has offended them. They are against it. They see no, no need, no want. There's no desire to worship God. So they go immediately to try and stop this and they seek to stone Paul and Barnabas. But then we see that they move on. They leave this place where there has been a separation of believers and unbelievers and they flee to Lystra. And what happens there? Well, we see evil gain, but in a different form. Paul preaches the gospel. He, through the power of God, a crippled man is healed. But we've got to bear in mind that the people here, they've heard the gospel They've seen a miracle, and what do they do? They offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. They think they are these other gods, the Greek gods. They've not, they've heard the gospel though, and this really shows a deceitful and sinful heart. One that has heard the gospel, has seen the miracle to, to qualify and to show that the message that they preach is a good, true message from God, yet they do not go to worship him. They go immediately to worship their gods. It's a real show of depravity. And then what happens, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who are still in a rage at the gospel being preached previously, have followed Paul and Barnabas. The um, Jews from Antioch, that was in the previous chapter, in chapter 13, what had gone on there, the gospel was preached, people were saved, and they, the Jews there, became jealous so again, they weren't for God and they've joined in with the Jews at Iconium. They're pursuing Paul and Barnabas. There is such a hate for the gospel being preached and there's such a hate for the saints that they are following Paul and Barnabas, trying to stop them in their tracks. So they came all the way to Lystra 
they managed this time to get hold of Paul and they stoned him and thought he was dead. But Paul survived and he and Barnabas continued to Derby. And it's here where, um, again, they preach the gospel. They preach the gospel, people come to faith. But remember, they have left these churches, they have come away from these places um, in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and there are believers there who were under severe persecution. Remember, these were just babes in Christ. They'd heard the gospel, they were saved. The power of the gospel had worked in them, but they were in a very, very difficult situation. They were left with no leadership. There was no in-depth teaching because Paul and Barnabas had been chased away. But Paul and Barnabas knew this. And it was their calling not just to make converts, but to make disciples. This was the aim of Paul and Barnabas. And a disciple is a pupil, a learner, a follower. And Paul and Barnabas wanted disciples of Christ. So to be a disciple of Christ is to be somebody constantly under Christ, under his teaching, under his word. And Paul and Barnabas therefore wanted to go back and wanted to make disciples. They didn't want to leave these um, believers in a very difficult situation with little teaching, with little understanding. Because we know when the church is strong, when disciples, when believers, when brothers and sisters are continuously under the word of God, learning and growing in the faith, growing in the knowledge of God. So it's a very good and it is a very brave thing to do for Paul and Barnabas to go back from where they've come from because we've seen the trials and the tribulations that they faced, but they wanted to build up the church. So how did they do this? And this is where we come to verse 22. Well, we start in verse 21 and we'll go to 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to continue in the faith and that we <clears throat> we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So what does it mean by confirming souls? What were Paul and Barnabas doing? Well, they were strengthening and building the souls of the believers. By that, they were telling them of God. They were teaching, they were, they were preaching, they wanted to establish them. It wasn't their work in the sense that they did the building, for we know it is God who builds the believers. But they wanted to go and they wanted to build up the souls through pointing them to Christ. And that is so that they could last against this persecution. And also, as we've seen in um, some of Paul's letters, particularly in Colossians, when we are under the word of God, it stops heresy coming into the church. It stops false teaching. It stops legalism creeping in. So Paul and Barnabas sought to strengthen the souls. How did they do this? How would Paul and Barnabas do this? Well, what they came to do, what they did, was to do a couple of things. The first one was to point them to Christ. We read this in verse 22. Exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Maybe you think, oh, well, it doesn't actually mention Christ there. But it mentions heaven. It mentions the kingdom of God. And who is in heaven? Who reigns there? Jesus 
Christ. And this is what Paul and Barnabas are pointing them to. They're saying, look, there is trials, there is tribulation, there will be persecution in the life of a believer. That's part and parcel of the way, of the life of a Christian on the way to heaven, on the way to be with Christ. Now it is true, it was mentioned this morning, that in heaven there is no pain. There is no more tears, there is no more suffering. And it's true that all who believe and have faith in Christ will be there. And this is a lovely thing to know and to understand. But our encouragement mainly should be in the fact that Christ is there. This should be our greatest encouragement. Philippians 3.8 Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. How wonderful is that? Christ is our prize and we get to be with him when we pass from this world, when we die here and go to be with Christ in heaven. That is a wonderful thing for those that have been regenerated, those that have been brought to life in Christ. Heaven is wonderful and perfect and just everything we want because Christ is there. If we want to be in heaven just so we can see loved ones or because we want to escape this world, we've missed the point completely. We look to heaven because sitting there is our saviour. In heaven is our redeemer, the one who mediated between us and the father, the righteous one, the God-man, the lamb who was slain for our sins. That is what makes heaven, heaven, because Christ is there. And this is what should encourage us. This is what should lift our souls. This is the truth that helps believers to continue in the, in the faith in moments like this, where there is severe persecution, where there is death for the faith. And this is what Paul and Barnabas did. They sought to point the believers to look towards heaven, to look to where their future lay. Their, their future isn't in this world. Our future isn't in the, this world. Our future is with Christ in heaven. And this was their encouragement. And you can always tell when people have lost their, their, their first love because they don't desire to be with Christ in heaven. They desire other things and place other things in heaven that they'd rather see that they put before Christ. But these believers here were encouraged because they know that in this world, this isn't their home, this isn't where they will be forever. They were looking forward to being with Christ. They were looking from the present to the future. They could only live and, and be of use to Christ with their eyes firmly set on him. And that's true for everyone who believes in Christ. We will only be of any earthly use to Jesus if our eyes are firmly set on him, understanding that what happens now is only a fleeting moment, but we will be with Jesus in eternity. It doesn't mean we should just focus on them and just glide through life, but we should be working heartily for the Lord, knowing that we will be here with him, there with him. Now, Paul and Barnabas also did something else to encourage, to exhort, to build up the believers in these churches. They understood that they have spoken truth to them. They understand the gospel. People have come to faith. They understand that their eyes should be set on heaven. 
But we know in our own lives, we forget these things quickly. When the pressure is on, when there is difficulties, we can quickly resort to trying to do things on our own strength. And Paul and Barnabas understood this. So what did they do in verse 23? And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Paul and Barnabas placed elders in the churches. And this was so that there would be teaching, that there would be preaching. We know that is the the role of an elder in 1 Timothy 3 and 5. We know that the elder is to pray for the church, to watch over the, the church. They know that they are to preach and to teach from the word of God. And for the elders here, they'll, they will have been, they won't have had the scriptures like we have, but they will have had the letters from Paul. They'll, they'll have had the teaching from Paul and Barnabas. So they were able to encourage the church through the preaching and the teaching of what they had been told. So this was again to establish the church, to strengthen the church, to build the church up on the word of God. And we do this today, don't we? We have um, we have the means of grace. And I, I love this quote that sums up the means of grace. The means of grace are God's appointed instruments by which the Holy Spirit enables believers to receive Christ and the benefits of redemption. And these are the preaching of the word, baptism, communion and prayer. This is what was being established at this point with elders in place. There would be the preaching of the word, there would be baptism, there would be communion, there would be prayer all together building up the believers in such hostile places. This is why Paul and Barnabas set elders there to take care, to take care of the flock and to build them up. If possibly, if the church had been left to its own devices in youth, there'd have been so many wolves attacking, there'd be so many things coming against them. But the Lord blessed them with Paul and Barnabas going and establishing elders. They set their eyes on Christ in heaven. The elders were in place. The means of grace administered. And in times of trials and tribulations and persecution, it would last because these things, these people being set firmly on Christ. These people were prepared. These people were in a place of, of goodness under the word of God, being able to fight off the things of the world. Their faith would be steadfast if they submitted to God and come and would come under his word and that would be done when their eyes are on heaven and they are under the teaching of the elders there. And this leads a, a question for us now, doesn't it? Are, are we prepared? If persecution were to come in this manner, would we pre- be prepared? The only way that we could ever be prepared is if we are in Christ and if we are under the word of God, if we are are taking up what the Lord has offered us, the means of grace. If we were dependent solely on ourselves in times of, of trials and tribulation, of persecution, we would fail because we are not capable of sustaining ourselves. This is why we come to Christ. This is why we come under the word of God and the means of grace. When we do these things, when we submit ourselves completely to God, we can say through his strength, we, like Paul did, we have fought the good fight. We have persevered. We have run the race. All because of Christ working in us through the means of grace with our eyes firmly fixed on heaven. So after the work here of Paul and Barnabas, after they'd gone back into 
dangerous places to build up the believers, to set them firmly on the word of God and focus them on Christ. They returned to the church that sent them. And on the way back, they continued to preach. And on their return, they updated the church on what had gone on. And this is where we find ourselves in verse 27. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time with the disciples. So the church here in Antioch, here in Syria, had been persecuted themselves. They had come under persecution. And afterwards they'd sent Paul and Barnabas out to establish other churches to preach the gospel to the world. And hearing this, hearing of the work of God through Paul and Barnabas, would have been a great encouragement. So the churches that had been planted were encouraged, and the church that had sent the missionaries was encouraged too, because they could see the work of God. They heard about all that had gone on. And it's the very same thing for us today, isn't it? When we see churches growing, particularly in serious pers- seriously persecuted places, look at the church in China. There are congregations of, of maybe 15, 20 people meeting all over in secret. How encouraging is that to know that even in such circumstances, the church of God is still blooming? I find it quite ironic at times when the church in the West prays for the church, churches in places like China, um, asking for them to be strengthened. I, I honestly believe that. I think the church in China should be praying for the churches in the West, that they, that we could be like them, that we could be such a force as they are in such difficult circumstances. But it is an encouragement, isn't it, to all brothers and sisters when we see brothers and sisters, people coming to faith, people willing to stand for their faith in face of severe persecution. And this is what was happening today. The church in Antioch had sent Paul and Barnabas. They'd returned, bringing the good news that God's name was being proclaimed, that people were coming to faith, and that Christ was being worshipped. What a, what a real blessing that was for them. And again, this is what we should seek to do. We should seek to establish a church on the island here, but also to seek to bless those who go and carry the message of Jesus Christ. And when we hear about the work done, we rejoice too. But the main aim of today was to really to focus on verses 22 and 23. If we are to walk in faith like they did, like these churches did here in, in times of trial and tribulation, in difficult times where their life was threatened, where people lost families, where people were separated, where people were, were, were stoned, were beaten, were flogged, were arrested. All these things were going on. This is for us to take into account now, to look at, to learn, to, to grow from, and to understand how they kept the faith. For if we miss these things, we will fail because we are not being dependent on Christ. We cannot take for granted the means of grace that built these believers up to stand firm in the face of persecution. So we must remember to see the means of grace as what they are, a gift from God to establish us in the faith. We must also remember to have our eyes focused firmly on Christ in heaven, 
remembering what he has done for us, how he strengthens us today, and how we will be with him when we are called home. Remember that he is the author, he is the finisher of our faith, and he is the one we will go to. Amen.